I'm Austin Basis, and this is Actor Speak, where actors speak and I listen. The actor I'll be speaking with today is Reggie Austin. Born in Peekskill, New York, Reggie Austin was a theater studies major at Yale University. There, he appeared in numerous stage productions, including starring roles in Macbeth and Othello. After graduating, Reggie moved to New York City, where he performed on stage and in several films and TV shows before relocating to Los Angeles in 2005. You may recognize Reggie from his extensive commercial experience, but he is best known for his recurring roles on Marvel's Agent Carter, Devious Maids, Pretty Little Liars, Life Unexpected, The Fosters, The Starter Wife, and most recently, the Netflix series On My Block. He has appeared as a guest star on shows including Homeland, The Good Doctor, Bones, Desperate Housewives, Grey's Anatomy, and NCIS New Orleans, and in films including The Omen and Friends with Money. He also took his talents on the road for a few years with Axe, The Three-Man Show, a full-length action drama inspired by the New Testament book. His grace, charm, and intelligence make him a great actor, but it's his sincere goodness that makes him a great person, devoted husband and father, and friend. So please welcome the better-looking half of Reggie Austin basis, <laughs> my TV loft roommate, Reggie Austin. <laughs> welcome, my friend. What's going on, buddy? <laughs> that guy sounds amazing. You should have him on instead of me. <laughs> uh, the, the guy I described? Yeah. Well, you're going to have to live up to the hype, bro. <laughs> <laughs> um how's life how's life in the pandemic oh geez <laughs> glorious uh, yes uh, dream so i reggie and i know each other from uh life unexpected uh we were both supporting roommate roles in the the pilot and the series and became fast friends and we we bonded through uh what are they scatological or gastric uh how would you describe it how would you describe a fart loft <laughs> in, in, a, in a professional way it, that, yeah they're, they're, i feel like normal professional settings you know you just yes. if you have a little little right. uh gastrointestinal disturbances yes. you know you go off to the side and it's just whatever but like we spend all our time on that show and the apartment or whatever yes so after a while, it's just like, eh, whatever. And just, we, you know, we would occasionally, you know, do some venting. Yes, on, uh, male and female alike the, uh, on that yeah. show were known for their, uh, for their gas. Was spot up there, but uh, nah. <laughs> It was higher, it was higher up. So the gas rose and you, you could protect <laughs> the, the other cast See? and crew who were. See, that's just science. That's no science, deal. right? No that's, a, that's a Yale degree coming into good use. That's first day, what they taught yes. us. First day. I've, Ivy League fart knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's important. It's, it's important stuff. It's extremely, extremely it's important. Real world application. It's great. It's great. But uh, I, I've also, like, you were one of the first actors to, I think we were taking a, a, a plane home, maybe even from the pilot. And I was like, what else do you do? Like, you know, to support yourself and you're like no i just act and i'm like wait what i'm like <laughs> you're like you're just and, and like how long you've been doing that yeah, like 10 years and i said how i'm like we're like we're like 30. <laughs> um, by then i hadn't been 
acting and only acting for 10 years. It's, I think I had been acting for 10 years because I joined SAG in 1997, it had been a while, but I think by the time we did yeah. Life Unexpected, I was just acting probably at that point for only like two years or so. But no, yeah, I mean, like it's, it's sort of climbing, like I, I think, I don't know if how, how, what you thought at the time, but I remember at the time I, I just assumed that like it was, you know, plodding along, audition, 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 and then all of a sudden you're just bam and you're you just like hit it and i didn't recognize or understand really the idea of being a working actor sort of like the in between of like aspiring and plodding along and like a star or famous or you know working regular or whatever that spot of being a working actor is just i didn't know what that was and that's what i am <laughs> what i what i've been able to uh build towards which is a gift <laughs> Uh, so yeah yeah I remember uh, shortly before Life Unexpected I was working a side job to support myself and I had saved enough money to kind of take that leap and it was freeing because partly because I did a job that took a couple weeks like a film that I was getting like a weekly it was an indie film that I was getting a weekly thing that was like I'm going to be gone for six weeks and the place was going out of business so I just never went back <laughs> you know and I came back and that year was just like <laughs> crickets. I was going through that savings, like, you know, mm -hmm. uh, you know, kindling in a fire. And uh, <laughs> I got to that next year and I was like cutting it close. And then I started finding my way to, you know, kind of those step stones of like job, job, guest star, commercial, uh, mm -hmm. recurring role, you know, yep. ultimately to series regular, mm -hmm. um, which, one series regular does not every every no. every show after that series regular make you know? <laughs> uh, yep. um so believe me since beauty and the beast ended it's been that kind of like oh this is not just we stay at this you know mm -hmm. level and then rise up the ladder it's like no you got to work to stay there mm -hmm. and maintain until the mm -hmm. next great opportunity comes along yep and, and i think that's the, that's just like the real the realness of acting. And I think that's something that I just feel like over time I have <laughs> learned slash am still kind of learning, if I'm being honest, uh, where it's just like, oh crap. Like if I, to actually do this requires more work than I thought and more, I don't, I don't know. I feel like I just got lost in like the glamor and glitz of like, I'm on TV now and ooh, and, oh, and then, oh, then that just means I'm a perpetually just, be on TV and perpetually have money and not have to worry about like, it's like, like struggling, you know, aspiring actor, Denzel Washington. And it's just like, it's just like, no, yeah. uh, <laughs> there's like yeah. a whole bunch of steps in between there. And like, there's ups and downs and then up and down again. And then so totally. Yeah. We, there's a, a financial model of how to manage your money as an artist. Mm -hmm. And the model is your bills and expenses are a line across <laughs> the graph. Mm -hmm. And then your career is literally a, a, a wave. And yep. the irony is that it's a steady wave, assuming that the peaks and valleys are equally intermittent. Right. <laughs> but it, 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 it's the wave is more like a heart monitor where you're like getting shocked. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's like, oh my God, that's a, that's a huge. <laughs> and then boom. Yep. Bottom. Uh, we got to oh. do it again. Shock the heart, you know? Yep. You know, yep. clear. <laughs> Yeah, it's I it's crazy. I, I, I don't recommend it. I feel like I tell people that all the time, just like, oh gosh. Uh 
do something else for money. This is, this is nuts. Yeah. But I mean, here I am. And it's the kind of thing where as crazy as that heart monitor is and as yeah. frustrating and as annoying as, as, as that is, like, if you told me, it's just like, all right, money's not an object. You will, your bills will be provided for your family, wife, kids, everything. You're good. Yeah. What would you do? And it's just like, I'd say acting like I, there's still yeah. the love. There's still like, I still love doing it. So yeah, it's, it's a, it's a crazy relationship. I feel like I have with the industry. Yeah. And I think uh, in that's on that same note, the more I do it, the more I realize that I wouldn't really be happy doing anything else. And, and, and uh, I definitely derive knowing pandemic, the way everything's been separated and, you know, kind of cut off for our industry. I realize how much, how much happiness and joy I get from actually doing it and being on set and talking yeah. with actors, yeah. you know, which is part of why um, having my friends and, and actors I respect and talking to them because it's like being on set. And I, I said, I tell someone that it's like kind of like cornering someone on set for like two hours just to talk about <laughs> acting. It's like a forced thing, but it's also, I, I feel for me, at least it's been awesome to, to talk to my friends just about acting and, you know, ask them questions that I don't get asked when I get interviewed in, in professional settings and hmm. talk about the stuff that people don't really talk about. They talk about the career and the, you know, how to get places and all this stuff, but not really about hmm. the brass tacks of like the heartbeat of an actor in a sense. Yeah. Yeah. So going back to peak skill, New York. Yeah. The skills. Uh, the skills. Uh, peak skill high. What was that first experience you had as an audience member, as a kid watching something and kind of being wowed or blown away by the performance and, and maybe even realizing that's something I could do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was, it was actually kind of a mix of things for me. A lot of it was informed by, by TV. Uh, there was definitely like, like linchpin shows that like gripped me. Probably the two biggest were the Cosby show, um, which again, all the stuff with, you know, the man is one thing, but that show was it and everybody knew it like that. And also Three's Company because I know it was, it was hilarious. Like John Ritter was, was a genius and just the, the dynamic of one guy and two girls. And like, that's my life. I have two sisters, one older, one younger. And like, I sort of saw my life kind of reflected because I mean, they weren't brother and sister on the show, but like still that dynamic, I sort of understood. I was kind of like the funny one. I mean, all my, my sisters are both funny, but like, I was always trying to make my sisters laugh. Yeah, I've seen old pictures. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Just always kind of just silly and just, you know, so just there's sort of that dynamic. And then with the Cosby show, seeing like, especially seeing a black man on television and that, you know, uh, connection point. And I love babies too. Like I legit wanted to be a doctor for a good chunk of my life because of the Cosby show. And in my ignorance, I didn't know anything. I just assumed uh, this must be a documentary and they just have cameras in this house. So, oh, cool. I want to be Heathcliff Huxtable too. Yay. I'm going to get married and have kids and be a doctor and deliver babies and yay. And then realizing it's like, oh, it's a, he's a stand-up comedian. This is a TV show. And but I don't know. I would feel like I was, I had lived a very naive, had a very naive childhood, I guess, in a lot of ways about things. So like those two TV shows were pivotal. And then actually theater was a, a huge part of my life. And one of the first plays that I saw that like drew me in, my sister was in. 
uh, she did a pl the play The Matchmaker, and uh, she was the, the lead in that show. And I saw her in when she was, I think just when she was in high school and I was in middle school or something like that. She's uh, three years ahead of me school wise. And I, I saw her in it and it was just like, oh man. Like, so I feel like between her, seeing her in that show plus those two TV shows, it was just like the arts sort of started calling. I mean, they actually started calling before that because in elementary school, I did a couple plays. So I feel like the initial bug was elementary school. I did a play, The Lion, the Witch in the Wardrobe uh, where I played a dwarf. The as, white, a which play, is, as a play, as a play, huh? so they, they made it into a play, and and I played the white witch's dwarf, which is hilarious because I'm six three and have always been tall, and like I was the tallest kid in my class all throughout school. So like, like how am I playing a dwarf? So I got some knee pads and crawled around on my knees and wore sleigh bells around my neck, and so ding ding ding. And at the time, Family Matters was the jam, uh, yeah. so I did. Your family have a video camera, and do you have footage? I sadly do not. My family. Had, I wish. Ah, uh, so do I. I. That would have been friggin' hilarious. But like, I crawled around on my knees and did a bad Steve Urkel impression um, <laughs> for the part. And but like, it was funny. People thought it was hilarious. And I'll never forget like the this moment where I had already had my first scene or two that was funny. And then my next scene, I was about to make my entrance from the wings, and like I'm crawling on my knees, and it was ding, 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 and people just started laughing at the sound of the bells, and it was like. <gasps> like, like validation and like like all the freaking you know dopamine hits of like just like oh all the feels and the things just like yo this is oh my gosh I love this I want this feeling all the time so <laughs> like that that was what it was for me in terms of like getting bit by the bug or whatever and then once I saw my sister doing it it was just like oh, I can really do this. And then it just sort of kept progressing from there as I did, did theater all throughout high school. I started doing community theater um, and then it just sort of kept going from there. That's so interesting because I've always thought that it's seeing it and then wanting to be it is usually the order uh, yeah, it, it yeah, was exactly. an odd, it's an odd thing to be like, oh, I experience it. And then I see other people do it and want to do it more. Hmm. Hmm. Um, because my next question was going to be, uh, what was that first experience where you felt that rush, that high that we all feel on stage when we hit a joke or we, we have a, a, a real moment or a great yeah. moment or even the applause at the end where you're like, oh, this is something that it makes me feel good and, and makes me happy. And I want to keep doing for the rest of my life, basically. Yeah. Was it, was it the dwarf and the lion, the witch in the wardrobe? <laughs> or was there another moment in high school where that idea of, you know, being an actor solidified a little more as a career? Right. I think that, I mean, it, it wasn't the dwarf. It, the dwarf was like the first initial bite. It was just like, oh man, this is amazing. But I, I, I think at that point, I didn't even have it in my head that this is something I could do. That was like next level. Like, I don't even, there was no category for that yet in, in my mind. But I think it wasn't until high school, I think. So basically I was, you know, did that in elementary schools. I don't think I did anything in middle school. I think it was once I got to high school. Yeah, because my middle school was, the arts department the Peace Guild was not 100%. Uh, so like there was nothing available in middle school. Uh, but once I got to high school, I had to lead for the school play every year I was in high school. 
I did. Uh, I was Willy Wonka and Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. I thought you were going to say Willy Loman. <laughs> no, no, never got the, that. Never, happened never in high there. schools. Oh no! Oh, totally, all sorts of stuff. But like, I, I, I was Willy Wonka and Charlie and Chocolate Factory in my freshman year. I was Dracula in Dracula my uh, sophomore year. Um, my junior year, man, I can't remember what the play was junior year, but something. And then by senior year, I, I'd like directed something. It was like moved on from there. But like. I was doing that in high school, in, in high school, but then I also started doing community theater as well. And I think it was around my junior, around my junior year, where I was doing this community theater show, and um, it was Marvin's Room actually uh, that I did. And I remember the lead for that show, this actress whose name was Cat something, I can't remember whatever it was. And I met her, and I was just like, man, she looks familiar. And I realized. Oh man, I see her on commercials for stuff all the time. And and like again, like grew up very sheltered and dumb, I guess, but like I couldn't make the connect of just like, wait, you're on the TV, you're on the commercials and stuff, but you're also here in front of me. I don't uh, like I just was just like this is crazy or whatever. And I think that's when I first started to make the the switch over in my mind of just like you could do this for for money. Like you know how grownups like go to work and stuff like this is one of those jobs that you could do and i was just like oh man that's that's crazy oh but like it like it took until then for it to really lock in that that's something that i could do um and i that was the transition because it was like doctor obstetrician and gynecologist hardcore medicine whatever and then like aside from acting becoming more and more of a thing it was also like 12 years of school after high school oh man i don't know which my mom was not happy about. She was excited to potentially have a doctor in the family. So then I was like, okay, not going to be at that. Maybe I'll be a physician's assistant or something, much less school, still involved in medicine, which I was interested in. But then it was like, all right, no. Like, <laughs> and I decided by like 16 or 17 years old that like, I'm going to pursue acting. I'm going to be an actor. And that's one of those weirdos, like went off to college, knew exactly what I was going to major in, which was theater studies with an acting concentration at Yale. And like never once was like, mm, maybe I'll just like, no, nah, this is what we're doing. Like, let's go. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because I had a similar arc as well. Like I I kind of went to a high school that specialized in medical science and you oh, know, yeah. had a humanities program, which most of the English and you know history people were in. And then the science major was the people that were good in science and math. And going into college, I, you know, was going to a good academic state school and thought. I'll major in theater, but I'm going to go pre-med, you know? Yep. Uh, and yep. when I finally got around to, I mean, the arc was kind of slowly whittling everything away. I even took psychology classes as a kind of backup of after mm -hmm. I, you know, put the medical stuff aside um, and the science classes. But once I kind of declared and made the choice, the, you know, kind of the bold decision to major in theater, and commit to it. And I knew I was going to probably pursue grad school. My entry letter or my essay to the grad schools, even to Yale, like Yale grad, not Yale mm -hmm. undergrad. Right. Um, even though I did try to get into Yale undergrad too, um, <laughs> was I hope to one day uh, not only say <laughs> I play a doctor on TV, but be a doctor. <laughs> like something <laughs> weird like that, where it was like, you know, I'm not only a doctor, but I play one on TV. Um, I, I like, I, I'd love to say I'm a doctor and I play one on TV. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
but that never happened. <laughs> I, I did wind up playing some doctors, but uh, yeah, yeah, doctor yeah, of biochemistry, not not really doctor, doctor, <laughs> doctor. We have these like weird journeys towards the careers that we've chosen, quote unquote, or have been chosen for us by some uh, some uh-huh. destined force uh, mm-hmm. that is is kind of like our calling, and. Then you get into the nitty gritty. You're like, okay, I love doing this. I love watching it. I want to do it. I know you can make money from doing it. And then I go to college and then there's classes for it. And you're like, oh, wait, there's all these words and techniques and mm-hmm. you know uh, methods through which people get to that final product that I've watched on TV and stage yeah. and, and in film. So when, uh, kind of describe your discovery of those other parts of the business that most people that watch and enjoy our work don't really know about. And then how did that affect your relationship with the craft, like your love of acting? Mm-hmm. You know, cause a lot of people talk about learning about that stuff and that stuff weighing down their love. It's kind of like liking to make people laugh and then becoming a comedian and having to come up with jokes and make money. And you're like, some people are just weighed down by it. And just like, that makes it not fun anymore. So Mm -hmm. what was, what was your experience discovering those elements? And then also how did that affect your, your relationship with acting? It's funny. I feel like this is an interesting question because I feel like it spans a long time, like pretty much up to today. (laughs) Like that's still a wrestling. I think that happens with me because so before going away to college it was you know doing all these plays in high school uh doing plays for community theater um just all these different things and just like in those environments there isn't much at least where i went i'm just from some regular town like public school you know system uh the community theater place there wasn't a premium on teaching per se where there was just what do you got? All right, let's go. So it was before college, there really was just like, this is just what God gave me. Here are the raw materials, jump up on a stage, memorize some lines, know the blocking, do, 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 here we go. But yeah, so then it, it took, really it took until college for me before I got any kind of true formal training. And I think that, I mean, I loved my time at Yale, like loved it and learned so much there. But I mean, I, th- and I think this is just a problem just in general, like there was no preparation because of the fact I knew going into Yale, like, oh, I'm going to be an actor. That is the career path I have chosen. Da, da, da. There was no nitty gritty. This is what the pursuit of a career is and how to do that. It was just, here's the techniques. Here, here's this technique. Here's that technique. Here's this school of thought. Here's this, like all of that. And I was given sort of all of those things, which was great. And I, I loved, you know, taking in all of that. So I didn't really have a, there was no disconnect of, oh, this is acting, it's free and it's great and it's wonderful. Oh, and here are these techniques. Oh, that's, that's, that's ruining or harshing my buzz of just the yay acting. It's like, no, that was just like part of the fun, I think. So Yale was adding to the raw materials I just had and giving me tools and techniques to go with that. So it was like, so that was all good. After graduating, college and sort of going out and being like okay like now like school's done now like playtime's over you're an adult like let's go like go and do the things 
um, that transition was hard. <laughs> that transition was a rude awakening for poor, sheltered, naive me, and just assuming, just like, oh, I went to Yale University. I am an actor. New York, I have arrived. Acting world, come to me. I will, and it was just, and I just freaking sat there and assumed it was just gonna happen. I was just gonna walk down the street and being like, you, there's something about you, blah, 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 what it's just, uh, it was, it was a hot mess. And they're like, York, shut just, the fuck yeah, up. Yeah, in New York, it's just like, I'm not, I can't even hear you, go away. It just was not a thing. Uh, so yeah, so I feel like after college, there was very much this like, took a minute to be like, pursue this career, pound that pavement, like that kind of thing. That took a while, uh, took a couple of years before that really settled in. But then I started to do theater in New York, um, started to do theater in New York, you know, found an agent, started doing commercials, like just started doing the thing. And I feel like the love of acting was still there, but then what came with it, I think around that point really was this sense of like, snap, I could be famous, cool. Or I could have my face in a billboard or I could be a star of a TV show or walk the red carpet or like all that, like that actory stuff, that like ladder climbing. And not that I was like, not that I was obsessed with being famous, not because I, I don't think I had that per se, any fame that would ever come my way was a byproduct. That wasn't the point. The point was like, do awesome work, like act. And then fame, oh, fame came too. Okay, cool. Like, sure, whatever. That's like, as opposed to, man, I want to be famous. It was, man, I want to do good work. Man, I want to do interesting roles and work with awesome people and all that whole thing. But it's just interesting how the pounding the pavement part of starting a career and the continued pounding of pavement of the beginnings of a career and then, I mean, all the way up till today is just like, I feel like I have, I've realized probably only recently how much all of that kind of sapped the, I just like being on a stage. I just like being on a set. Like, I, I love this. I, I tell people this all the time. I would absolutely act for free. Like, if you tell me just cover basic expenses, everybody gets to eat. Everybody has clothes to wear. The mortgage is paid. Maybe a vacation every now and again. Whatever. I mean, freaking basic stuff. That's taken care of. Done. Pay me nothing. I don't care. Like, I love doing this. I love, like, you know, sinking my teeth into a role and, and having an awesome scene and, and just having a moment. And it, just all of those things are just, like, that's where it's at. And I feel like the pounding the pavement, which you and I both have done for freaking decades now, it saps at the, the pure joy of, of the art because, because we're constantly, you know, trying to climb that ladder, not in a like desperate for fame kind of way, but just in a like, I got to eat and I, you know, and I want to, I feel like in the past several years, it's just like, you know, you said like the EKG of like beep beep and it's like down and oh crap, but sometimes it's freaking up. Like the money that sometimes we can make, it's just like, oh my gosh, it's crazy, it's ridiculous, da da da. But it's just like, give me like regular money re at regular intervals. Yo, done. I will never have the high of the EKG. I don't care. Every two weeks, I get paid this amount. The next two weeks, that same amount of money is going to come in. Like, 
that's like, what is that? Like, we have no idea what that is because like sometimes there's that big fat residual check. Yay. And some weeks it's freaking nothing. And just that up down over time, is just like, ah. Uh. So all of that, I feel like saps the artistic mojo out of you. I feel like. Yeah. We've chosen a career of instability because we love it. And all career long, we crave a stability of yeah. either a recurring gig or like a TV show that lasts years upon years, or the idea that we we step into a role or a starring role and we step out of that and step into another one. And yeah. they the 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 jobs flow. And I get a sense that the the love of acting has never left but no. the enjoyment of it or the the time between acting has diminished the enjoyment when you finally get to do it i mean when we get to do it yeah. it's pure but the longer it goes in between the less <laughs> the less joy there is with yeah. attached to the career yeah uh, no totally it's it's a fascinating uh, love hate relationship with the business versus <laughs> yep. the actual doing the job, which is which is crazy because anyone looking to get into the industry, if you want to have any success whatsoever, that knowledge, which is just true, this industry is a combination of art and commerce, and if you forget either one of those, you will not go go far. You will not last because you want to lean on just one of them you're going to miss something key that like like you won't have the longevity that's uh required to withstand that ekg um that goes on so yeah similar to you i think my goals coming out of school were not to be famous and so i mean yes everyone dreams about like winning awards and and stuff like that yeah it, it's more about award show. i, I want to have a career as an actor and not have to do anything else for the rest of my life. That was it. Which is huge. And I, the fact I that realize we, that more and more now. In, in, oh in my life, gosh. I was like, I, I, I set those goals because I feel like I felt like I could attain those goals. Mm -hmm. But at the I, time as a kid, a naive kid, didn't oh, yeah. necessarily realize how even difficult that is. Yes. And, and the fact that either one of us have even tasted that at all puts us in an elite group, which, which is, crazy to think about like you think like a working actor you would think that that would like in the screen actors guild a working actor would make up like oh you know like a good 70 percent of, of the population of the group of, of that union and it's not remotely that it's like i think I remember someone told me at one point like the percentage of unemployed actors or actors making less than like twenty thousand dollars a year something ridiculous it's like 80 85 percent of the union so if you're a working actor, it's you're like the top 15% of a union with hundreds of thousands of, of members in it. And it's just like, it's not a given at all. Yeah, so, I think it's even less than that, actually. Uh, yeah. yeah. Any, like, any, any time, at any given time. At any given like, time, yeah. I think 5% of the actors are working in the guild. It's crazy. When we do get to work, it's awesome. And uh, yeah, I know uh, you've continued uh, taking classes and coaching and all that stuff. Was there a teacher early on in your development as an actor, uh, especially after school, that mm -hmm. really influenced your process and development as an actor? 
without question. I mean, I've had lots of great teachers, I think, over the course of my life, but number one, for sure, and the one who has left the mark, the deepest mark, is by far Susan Batson. She is a phenomenal, phenomenal uh, acting coach. Uh, she coaches lots of very famous people, uh, Nicole Kidman, Juliette Binoche, uh, like she's got a long list of clients. Jennifer Lopez, I think, went to her a few times, like a bunch of people uh, have been coached by her. And she had a school in New York. And I, after graduating college, I went there, went and studied under her for a while. And like the very first class, just like completely like, oh, you know, when, when a teacher- Into just your like, soul. Oh man, it was just the freaking worst and yet the best, and I am beyond and eternally grateful for her because of it. Because basically you had, for me, it was whatever talent that God gave me for just naturally from zero to 18, then going to college from 18 to 22 and getting techniques like to add to that talent and like had this mixture. So it was just like, hey, like some nice God-given talent, some good training, pa-pow, let me show you the show you what I can do. So I went to this, to this class with her and the first freaking class we went, went there. It's so like the sort of the basic structure of the class was like, it starts with like uh, physicality and the sort of, and movement and sort of music plays and there's a circle and one person takes the, takes a turn in the center, sort of just moving to the music, however they tend to feel. And then sort of that becomes the character that the people on the outside of the circle take on. So that everyone becomes that character and does that just to sort of get into your body and sort of what it is to take on another character, all sorts of stuff. And then after that, you just sort of do an awareness, like where are you in your body? What are you aware of right now? And then you're given a piece to perform. So you get it, you work it for a little bit, and then everyone takes turns uh, performing that piece, usually ba based on, so after that opening circle work, then it becomes, I don't know how nerdy to get about this stuff for who are listening, but like, so it sort of gets into sort of the three components are sort of uh, sense memory work, so she gives a time in your life when you were betrayed, you were, you know, you felt most loved, like whatever. It's sort of like you're sort of creating that, you know, as part of your sense memory. Uh, then you do a personalization. So someone in your life who, you know, blah, blah, whatever. And then a sensorial condition, uh, the, the feeling of extreme cold or the feeling of ants crawling all over you, whatever it is. So sort of that sort of creates this. Uh, overall sensation the overall sensation and environment whatever that you plug into the work so then you go through that then you're given the piece look it over everyone takes their turns performing the piece so we do all the circle work i'm in it i'm just like let's go let's dive into this person who is this character da, 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 da. all there awareness cool given all this stuff sense memory i know what that is i went to yale ba, 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 doing all that doing all the personalization the sensorial condition creating all this like okay cool ba, ba, ba. i get the piece Boom, this is the piece, these are the words, this, 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 beat, break down the beats, this part, but, 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 da, 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 da. cool, memorize, this, and I've always been pretty good at memorization or whatever, so whole monologue, boom, 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 okay, cool, my turn comes up, papers down, boom, and I present, and I do that scene pretty much word perfect, and like, it's lived in, it's fresh, it's real, it's like, it's oh, da, da, da. so we come to the critique portion, and Susan just, lays into me in the best way not because just like you suck you're awful da, 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 but it was just like she was so angry and frustrated because clearly i've got it like she, she kept saying that like it's like 
you're handsome, you're talented, you've got all this stuff. And she kept saying, like, you know, you're, you're trained, you're studied and blah, 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 all this stuff, but you lack intimacy. You are showing instead of being. You are not allowing us to see into you. Intimacy, into me, see. This was, was, her, was her thing. And she said, this is like, you've got all the pieces. You could be a household name. You need to let people in. And it's the kind of thing where, I mean, I didn't realize it at the time, um, but it was just so true. And it's just like, I had become very good at presenting what something was supposed to look like, as opposed to just living and being in that character and where that character uh, was, you know, through, through me. Um, and that has just like chased me. That chased me for a long time, I think. And I think just mature. I mean, and again, that was be fresh out of college. So it was just like, I'm young and stupid. Like I was not, it's always funny for me now to, to see like, like really famous, really talented people in their early twenties. Cause it's just like, I was a freaking putz, man. I was, I was so <laughs> just not at all as with it and as on it as a lot of these actors in their early twenties. So it was just such a moment of like eye-opening. And I think over time, it's just like realizing the ways in which I needed to peel back layers of myself and allow myself to be vulnerable and show those things. And that happened through uh, getting married, that happened through having my kids, like and at each step and progressively over time, it's just like allowing myself to be that much more open and vulnerable with my work uh, that has been cool. And, and, and just encouraging that like, that's the beauty of acting is that one, you can just keep doing it for it forever. Like I'm not a tennis player where it's just like, ugh, like I'm like 34, I'm done now. I can't, I can't do this anymore at the highest level. I can't get better and improve. Like, no, like it's not a, like an athlete. The fact that an actor can just continually grow was something that, and again, didn't understand when I was young, but like the idea that I can get better at this was super encouraging. Because as a young person, I was just like, either you're there, or you're not, and oh, well, and some people are just there and some people are just not. And what are you going to do? But like, no, you like work towards, ideally, you just keep getting better at this. So, yeah, it's, uh, we get to constantly paint that emotional landscape mm -hmm. uh, with our lives and put it into our work. That, that is a constantly developing living thing as actors, yes, we are live human beings, but I'm talking about our experiences and our yeah. knowledge and our uh, scope and depth of emotion. All those things get bigger and, and expand with our experiences, you know, loved ones, you know, love, <laughs> love, death, mm -hmm. failure, betrayal, mm -hmm. like all those things with each new experience get, more three-dimensional and um we get we get to kind of put that stuff into to our work when i graduated school i went out to uh, get a drink with my uh, undergrad acting teacher and it was like what that was like a kind of traditional thing you would go out in as seniors when you could when you were 21 you would go out with the teacher after class you know campus there was a pub on campus mm -hmm. and you we'd go to you know 
oh, let's meet out for a drink. He had a, a bar that he liked and it was his bar because he lived in the town and no college kids went there. <laughs> Uh, and so, um, but we went to this bar and we we're having a drink and he's like, he's like, now you have to go out and live. You, you've started doing the work of an actor, you know, get training and you have to just live. And he said, get laid. <laughs> <laughs> I think I was a, vir a virgin at that point. So he was like, you gotta get laid. <laughs> He was, he was upfront about a lot oh, of those things. Hilarious. And it's interesting because a lot of stuff he talked about was not as explicit as it sounds like Susan Batson's work and influence was, but it sounds like the base technique was, was sensory work and, and kind of like actor studio method mm -hmm. stuff. What techniques ha had you learned that you kind of took to? And, and then what, what do you utilize and for what? Hmm for different projects. Yeah, it's interesting. I feel like Yale, when I first, when I first realized, so I made the transition of, nope, not a doctor. Nope, not even physician's assistant. No, we're just gonna act cool, great, fantastic, Yale. Like, cause I was a smart kid, super nerd in school or whatever. So I had really good grades and stuff. So it's just like, and also at the time, cause I think right around when I applied to Yale was when physician's assistant was still hanging on there by a thread. So I was just like, okay, I'm safe at Yale either way with either medicine or, or acting. So it was just like, okay, cool, great, going to Yale. But by the time I got in, I was just like, medicine was gone. Let's go acting. And again, my naive, stupid self, like completely forgot or just didn't want to listen to the fact that like Yale's a liberal arts school. Like you go there and get like the whole education stuff. So like, you're going to have to take a little science and you know, other things that aren't acting. So it's just like, in my mind, I want to be able to be a Yale undergrad, to be a conservatory. I was just like, oh, I'm just going to act. I'm, not gonna do I'm just, that's my whole purpose for, and it was just like, oh, oh man. <laughs> Fine, I'll take your stupid science class, Blah, whatever. So, but, so as a result of it not being a conservatory is that it didn't have a primary focus in terms of this is what is taught at Yale by way of acting in terms of it's a it's a Stanislavski school or it's a minor school or whatever so instead I sort of got given it was like scattershot of just like I got bits of lots of stuff of you know I just remember studying Alexander technique and Meisner and Stanislavski and just all these things which was great because I feel like for me it was just like give me all the things like there's no one way to do this so like give me all the things let me find out what works so and I remember, it's funny, I, I remember if this was during college, maybe it was, maybe it was right after, but I feel like my, my mind in a, in a lot of ways, even as an artist, works very mathematically. And I sort of, for a while, would treat art like math. And I like math, just like two plus two is four. There's not an objective, not a subjective, like, well, for me, I kind of feel like, like, no, it's just, that's, it's math. It just is. And I wanted to apply that to art. So it's like, okay, cool. Give me the mathematical equation for good acting, go. And it was just like, oh, wait, <laughs> that's not how it works. It doesn't, doesn't quite go like that even as so much as I wanted it to. So I kept for a while, kept searching for the like, the right way to act and the, or, or whatever. So I went once to this uh, seminar or something, just a talk or whatever that was done that Meryl Streep did. And so it was just this one-on-one -on -one thing and, you know, you know, the moderator was asking her questions, this, that, the other. And then 
they also were taking questions from the audience. And I was just like, holy crap, like the greatest actress of our generation, maybe potentially ever. Like she's phenomenal. Like I've seen enough of her stuff. Like she is the real deal. She will have the formula or whatever. So people asking all sorts of stupid questions, like what was your favorite role? And how, what was it like to work with blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, okay, freaking, I don't, I don't need this. This is, this is a waste of time until someone asked the question that was just like, what is your process? Like you're such a talented actress, portrayal of things. What's your process to, to, you know, get at these characters and bring them to life that I'm just like, oh man, like, let's go. I got my notebook and my pen. I am ready to just write furiously to get all this down. And she said, she goes, I don't know. It kind of depends from role to role. Sometimes it's the script alone will just give me whatever. Sometimes it takes until the costume is on my body and that affects how I walk and move in the net. Or sometimes it's, and it was just like, and it blew my freaking mind. The idea that someone that talented didn't have a formula for how she used her talent. Like I just slot this in and that's why I'm this brilliant. And it's just like, she's like, nope, I don't, I don't have one. And it kind of freaking blew my mind. It was just like, okay, if that's how she rolls, then I have to get out of my mind this sense of this is how you're supposed to do it. And, and that was like huge for me. And I think as a result, like I, I don't, like in terms of like describing my process, <laughs> I, I'm like Meryl, I don't, I don't know. Like, <laughs> um, no, but like, I, I feel like the text is always important. I feel, like I, do, I feel like a lot of things that I do when I work, I sort of do subconsciously. I, I, it's not a as regimented because I remember early on when I was first learning I was just like boom let's go let's map out the beats let's you know what's the objective how like for this line active verbs all these things that we've you know been taught or whatever but I think over time I've not that I've lost those things but I think I probably have just internalized them and sort of do it without even thinking about it um so as a result like what then comes like I try to allow the character to come to me rather than to find it. And I think that's something that I think that I probably only recently, not even learned to do, but recently realized that I did, where it's instead of like doing that digging to find him, it's just like I, I'm sitting back attentively, like lean, leaned forward and just waiting for the character to speak to me. Like, this is what I am, this is how I roll, this is what I do. And so much of that comes from the script. So rather than get like a description of the character and like create that in my mind and then insert that into whatever the script is, it's just like, no, give me the script. Let me read it. Let me see what's coming off of that and then sort of work that way instead. So like anytime I get an audition for anything, I always ask for the script, always. Like sometimes if I can get one, even for like a recurring or a guest star, if I can get that script, I want it because I want to see like, I want to see who he is. Because I feel like most of the time, that's what happens when I read a script. I will see the character in my mind first. And then I can work from there as, as opposed to sort of creating it first. So, yeah. So I feel like mostly in terms of like the teachers that have sort of stuck and sort of the, uh, the different philosophies and things that have stuck. Stanislavski, I think most of a lot of his stuff, not so much Meisner, even though I will use that in the past before, but a lot of Stanislavski, check off some Alexander. And, and again, I can't even, I could not start an acting school and teach it. I'm just like, oh, here we, we, I, we teach, but like, 
I, I don't know. Like it's just pieces of whatever, but yeah, I feel like a lot of imagination, a lot of the magic as if like, that's been a huge piece for me of a uh, huge acting, acting tool, but yeah, just feel like just incorporating sort of a mishmash of things and sort of Frankensteining them together into something is sort of generally how I tend to work, I think. It's like you've gone out in nature and collected all these things in your basket. Mm -hmm. And as soon as you collect them, they become part of the person looking for the next thing. Yeah. Uh, I, I've noticed in older actors that there is that letting, letting the, what we came out of school doing manhandling and kind of try to control every moment. They let that happen because it's, it's probably more baked in and ingrained in how they approach or read the material in the first place. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I expect also you probably, when you were doing Shakespeare type stuff, you learned scansion, you learned all yeah. this stuff of yeah. how to, how to scan it for its meaning and how to, uh, you know, emphasis and, and rhythm, the iambic pentameter and mm -hmm. when stuff was in prose and verse and those differences. And then, if you continue doing Shakespeare, you wouldn't necessarily have to market and go back every new play with each new play and, and your familiarity with that style and that writer, it would just come to you a little, a little easier every time. Yeah. So it's, it seems like that technique or those techniques that you accumulated in school and after school have evolved over your career. Mm -hmm. And you talked about auditioning for something. My question is, when you have more time, when you, you, you have more time to invest and make choices and like figure out maybe why your instincts told you to do this, like for an audition that you have maybe 24 to 48 hours to prepare, um, and then you get a week before you got to shoot it, what happens in that week? Do you change... Do you, do you delve in deeper? Do you try to fill in the blanks of the stuff that you, you just kind of instinctually did, did or justify what you instinctually did? What, what, are, what, are, what is that time used for in your process? That is a good question. Um, I feel like I just, I'll have a bad answer for it because I feel like there's, I feel like there's good things with what I do and there's terrible things with what I do in terms of, like the commerce business side of things where it's just like, there's a sense to which I, unfortunately, and God's grace, I'll just get better at this, will lose the littlest bit of my artist when I book the job, bizarrely, because I'm too aware and in my head about nitty gritty realities, such as this is a guest star. This episode serves the series regulars, the main point of the story. This thing, like I lose the artistry somewhat because I'm too aware of other external things that I wasn't thinking about for the audition. For the audition, there's in some ways, and again, this is totally backwards and dumb, but with auditions, there is a freedom there that I don't feel when I booked it. Again, so stupid. But like for that audition, it's just like, here's a character. This is what happens to that character over the course of this episode or over the course of the film. And this is what they are. 
here are the raw materials here make make something and it's just like oh cool all right great and then and then i'll full creativity like just you know go go nuts but somehow like when i book it i will lose the littlest bit of that sometimes because we're making a tv show and like we're kind of on the clock here and all that time you took in that one moment for that like that half a page where you just allowed for you can't do that here it's tv because pace and you know this scene has to be you know exactly roughly 90 seconds because the episode has to be 44 minutes because that's the but it's all that stuff that like starts taking a little bit in my head that hinders it, it doesn't completely get in the way but it definitely hinders the full freedom and expression that i felt empowered or enabled to do with the audition because there's no constraints it's just me and the casting director or me and the camera now in pandemic will of putting it on tape so there's that freedom there so so because i have seen enough times and either happening to me or other actors as i've been on set where the director's just like can we pace this up a bit can we da, 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 because of the practical nature of what is being made so that sometimes i feel like gets in the way of my artist unfortunately and it's fascinating because i've you know, i've never thought about it that way where the audition is the poetry of what would be a short story or a novel yeah. that is a film or a tv show and there's no structure enforced yet it's mm -hmm. just you the lines, the role, and your instincts, mm -hmm. and you have no choice. You, nothing is set in stone. You're you're throwing ideas out there and hoping they stick. And then automatically, once someone's validated that and said yes, those ideas and instincts and and choices are yeah yeah right. You know, you're like okay. All of a sudden, you just it switches and you become part of a bigger thing, and yep. it's not just about your scenes and and your character and and um, and also like self-sabotage creeps in as well of just like yeah. oh i don't know and uh even though like they freaking cast you dude like out of however many people they saw they were like you we want you doesn't matter i'll still be like oh they made a mistake or oh what did i do did i really actually uh and uh like you know th those voices that get in your head like your inner critic yeah the and the idea that sometimes i do things in an audition that are spontaneous based on my little time with the stuff and you're like, did that get me the role? And did do I have to do that again? Or can I continue working on this and find new things that yeah. might make my choices different with more knowledge? Especially mm -hmm. when you don't have the script and you read a like a Grey's Anatomy script or a script with a lot of technical stuff in it. And you realize that the character didn't have a stomach issue. They have like abdominal cancer or like something crazy where you're like, what are, what are the physical traits of that? And now I'm going to have to be in, in a specific amount of pain when I do this scene and it's going to be, I have a specific ailment and I have to do something different than, than what I did in the audition because I didn't know that. Yeah. 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 And, and it's, I, I don't know what it is. And again, I, I feel like this is the, a shortcoming of mine and something I feel like I really want to work on is like keeping, keeping that artistry. Cause the thing I sort of have, uh, titled it now that I've sort of realized is that there's a part of me and again this goes back to the whole like math thing wanting art to be math is that there's a technician that lives in, in me like and there's a technician when I work and and the, the crazy thing is you probably need a technician in order to help 
frame and guide things in a way that it that it can actually be presented because it's just like you can't take five minutes with the scene you can't like i'm sure maybe it would be beautiful the thing that you did the medium can't support that that's just true so like that's where the technician can help in terms of being able to craft things in a way that that fit the medium but the problem then becomes is when the technician ideally the technician aids the artist the technician should not lead the artist and i think that's something where i sort of have realized of just like well it's supposed to be this and he said da, 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 and it's just like no no no, no. the artist is the president the, the technician is the vice president or probably chief of staff is better because the vice president doesn't actually do anything but yeah whatever uh but like <laughs> that, but you know but so like the technician should be supporting what the artist the the vision that the artist is uh casting the artist cast the vision the technician sort of helps to support that or you know frame it or what whatever and it's just realizing both for my auditions and for work is just like keeping that in check yes it's fine having a technician being aware being aware of the medium being aware of where the camera is that's technician that's not artist <laughs> like you need and you need that awareness to, if you're working if the acting you're doing is on camera you need to be aware of where the camera is that's a an important skill to have but there are times when i feel like i let the technician drive the ship and it's just like i can't i'm, I'm killing the artist when i do that yeah, and the technician is not the director. There's a director hired yep. and paid there's money some, to do There's that. literally someone hired to do that for you. Yes. You don't have to, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Right, yep. but it helps them if you you have a technician that's willing to work with them. Um, Correct. There was, uh, I think Lee Strasberg said, and I've, I've, I think I've talked about this, you can't 100% be in it or you won't have the awareness enough to be in control and to, mm. be, to be the artist. Mm. So if you're, a performance artist that's looking to do something, sure, throw yourself 100%. But as an actor with the script, a lines and a camera on you or a stage and an audience in front of you, you have to have like a 5% part of you that has its hands on the wheel and is steering the ship. Uh, and without right. that, you're going to be dangerous to work with, out of control mm. and ill-equipped to work in various various mediums. You know, especially the, also equipped to work collaboratively. Totally. Yeah. Everything is collaboratively like, you know, even so, more so than theater, like in theater, yep. it's, I think, more focused on the cast and the uh, right, the, the writer, director and crew, whereas in film, you have all the technical aspects of film that become a bigger part of the process. And then mm -hmm. post-production, whole different story. This ends part one of our in-depth discussion. Keep listening to part two of my conversation with actor Reggie Austin. Thanks again to Reggie Austin for speaking with me, and thank you for listening. And thanks to my lifelong friend Jason Liebman and up-and-coming musical prodigy Dylan Hazen for composing and producing the Actor Speak intro music and theme song. It pays to have talented people in your life, and I'm extremely grateful for this sweet tune. One last note. I want to give a special shout out to Jenny Josephson for her guidance in conceiving and producing this podcast. Thanks for all your advice, patience, and support. 
Subscribe to Actor Speak on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, you'll be eligible to win some cool Actor Speak swag. Once again, thank you for listening. This was Actor Speak.